Hello, and welcome to Sobertown Podcast. I'm your host, Viv, and some of you know me as Sober I Thrive. Make sure to visit our website on SobertownPodcast.com. You will find our free Zoom calendars, Todd's modules for your Sober Toolbox, Sober Recovery Stories, and our link to the Sobertown Facebook group on SobertownPodcast.com. I'll chat with guests and community members about topics related to sobriety and recovery. There are also a couple of sober communities called Boom, Rethink the Drink, and the I Am Sober app, where most of our website contributors met for SoberTownPodcast.com. I have the honor of having a guest that is an entrepreneur empowering personal growth, podcast host of Rise Recover Live, musical artist at Bryce the Third Music. He's an author of The Handbook, A Pocket Guide for Creating Your Desired Reality and Being a Good Human While You're At It. It is my pleasure to introduce Bryce. Hey, Viv. How are you? Good. Excellent. I'm honored to have you on Sobertown. And, you know, this is your recovery story. So please tell us, what about little Bryce? Where did he start? Yeah, well, for, first and foremost, how, how's your energy? You know, my energy is, I think I am, right now, I think I'm in a lot of gratitude. Uh, yeah, a lot of gratitude. Uh, I'm, I'm in a humbled spirit. Yeah, well, that, that's good. That's and that's contagious. I'm I'm soaking in a bit of that. I actually uh, led a meeting today. There's um, so I'm in Detroit, uh, and there's a, a city within. For people who are here, they'll know what Hamtramck is when I say it. But it's like a city inside of a city. Uh, but um, went went out to Hamtramck and and did the lead discussion at, in the artist and recovery meeting. And, you know, anytime I go and do these talks or, or speeches or anything, like I'm just the type of freestyle. And so I don't necessarily know what I'm going to say, but I know I'm going to contribute to the space as it's supposed to be contributed to. And that was like the main thing was the, the, the energy of gratitude of being able to, being able to look intentionally at what it is that I have to be appreciative of. And that's what kind of adds the the bottom to a cup because, uh, you know, my active alcoholism and my active addiction, um, I, you know, I was working on pouring water into a cup with no bottom and it, it never like I was never there was no satiation, you know. And so and I found in recovery that some of those same things can some of those same notions, some of that same energy can still be there, especially when it comes to entrepreneurship or you're talking about creativity in making something from nothing. Like creativity is literally like, I am, uh, there's something that doesn't exist that can't exist. So there's a bit of like dissatisfaction like built into the process of, of creativity, where it's like something needs to exist, but it doesn't exist yet. And I have it in here and I need to get it out here and put it out here. Um, and, and so how do I continue to lean into that process of creativity of that inherent pull to like make things and, and build things as well as be in a state of gratitude and appreciation for what already exists and how the world is at this moment. 
And um, the answer to that question is, I don't fucking know. Like, can we cuss or no? <laughs> like, this is your fucking time to shame, man. Well, well there you go. Uh, and and I, I, I say that because, like, a lot of times we could think, like, you know, we got to have things figured out. And I think the prerequisite to, like, understanding is confusion. And recovery has allowed for me to, like, not have the answer and not necessarily have to be the czar of the outcome. Like, I don't have to be the president of how things turn out. But I can be a contribution to uh, putting my best foot forward in creating what it is that I desire to create. That's just beautiful. That's inspiring because it's so scary in sobriety. So to see you inspiring, because I see, I mean, I see your Instagram and everything. You're very inspirational. You give those words short, you know, those words that cut and give inspiration <sighs> and think, man, I want that. So uh, I think that yeah no I, i'm i'm super grateful for the space i'm super grateful for past me from you know 2015 2014 who <clears throat> had been in recovery for you know about a year and a half and like really was being pulled to speak <laughs> and it was ugly and my videos were like 10 15 minutes long and they were terrible but like it was him that uh, set out on a journey that enabled me to be able to communicate in the way that I am now. Um, and, and it was every step of the way and continuing to show up and continuing to press uh, that allowed for me to be able to share my story uh, and leave a breadcrumb trail behind me for the people who come from where I come from, who need to see it happening by somebody that looked like them and be able to communicate it in a way that, you know, touches hearts. And, you know, when you touch the heart, you, uh, there's a potential for a cultural shift. So, yeah. Absolutely. I, that's one of the things that inspires me so much about you that just planting the seed in my mind with, you know, uh, your podcast that you have along with Liz and just having your Instagram, just your Instagram alone is very inspiring to me because mm. it gives me hope that when I don't know there's actually one out there that I saw that was really touching to my heart and I'm like you talking to me you're talking to me right now <laughs> and then you know it was like if you don't know where you're at filter that you don't know where you're at filter that and ask him more questions and ask more questions and ask more questions and I was like <laughs> I am the little colander cylinder the spaghetti colander you know <laughs> and so I thank you for those nuggets of wisdom that you just inherently give to all of us. So yeah. I wanted to ask, so would tell us where did Bryce the third begin? Oh man. Um that's a that's a that's a that's an interesting question. And I always feel like, you know, so for those who don't listen, um my, me and my co-host of the Rise Recovery Live podcast for for the Phoenix, um we we interview people on a daily basis and we uplift stories and we platform stories of people in recovery. And I always feel a way when I ask somebody like, just, you know, start wherever you want to start. Tell me about you. And it's like, you know, there's so many elements. Like I, I always know as a host that that is creating the space for people to share whatever comes up in this moment. And next time when they're asked that question, it might be something completely different. So with that being said, and with creating that space for, for myself, uh, man, it's just uh, a, sp a space, of, space of compassion. I think um, from as far back as I can remember, 
Like I, I was, I felt a lot of things. Like I felt everything, you know, I was super emotional, super, you know, super, I, I would say intuitive, but uh, intuition is one of those things. There's not necessarily intuition until like we learn how to intentionally use it. Uh, and I, if I don't accept it, if I don't allow for it, is it really intuition or is it like sensitivity that I just am unaware of how to like deploy? And so I just was always super sensitive and so much so like I would always like look around like, damn, like y'all don't feel that? <laughs> I would go through it, you know, um, fear, anxiety. Um, um, some, some people may call it being an empath. I, maybe, maybe it was that. But it was, it was, I don't know what it was. It was just like, I feel a lot of stuff. And so uh, coming up single, you know, single parent household, uh, you know, from the neighborhood, you know, I didn't really have like a lot of crazy, like a lot of crazy options or a lot of crazy resources to be able to take advantage of. So, you know, I, I, I took it to the streets, you know, um, wasn't a terribly bad kid. I always had a conscious, my, my mom always instilled that consciousness in me, but you know, I was just like, I did. I did what was at my, my footsteps, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I did like what was there. Like I was uh, to an extent, like uh, somebody who contributed to being a product of my environment because like, I just wanted to fit in. I just wanted to be like everybody else for real. Like I didn't want the sensitivity. Yeah. Um, very early on, my son was on his way. So I was 15 going on 16. His mom was 14 going on 15. And uh, that's when I had my first kid. And that played a huge role in, I think uh, kickstarting that consciousness because uh, there was a lot of times like within my journey where it was like, um, yo, we're going to do this thing, but if you get caught or if you get killed, like who is going to take care of this little dude? And, you know, I mean, I wasn't necessarily like, you know, the end all be all to how he was being taken care of. I really wasn't a crazy contribution. We were like, we, it was like, we grew up together almost. Um, but there was still that thing. I was like, ah, man, I, you know, I, I played a role in creating this little human being. And if something happens to me, uh, who is going to take care of him? So, you know, they, they say you can't recover for anybody. When I went to rehab, there was this guy named Stefan. He was a, uh, he was an RN and he was like, what, you know, why are you here? And I'm like, ah, man, I got kids, man. He's like, let me stop you right there. You can't do this for them. You got to do this for you. And I'm like, ah, you're right. And it really changed my life to hear that. Um, and now, you know, I'm coming up on 10 years of recovery in July. And in hindsight, like the having that thing that continued to scratch me and, 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 and remind me like, yo, you're not the only one that you're doing this for played a huge role in me even being willing to seek assistance or seek help or seek something other than what it is that I had. So, uh, I, you know, my kids played a role in saving my life for real. Um, but yeah, had a kid early, um, dropped out of high school and, uh, you know, just hit the streets for real and, you know, uh, uh, embraced, embraced that life, uh, searching for male role models in the neighborhood. And, you know, in hindsight, like they ain't know no better than I did, but it was a little older than me. And so, you know, I just followed in what it was that I saw. Um, you know, I won't go too crazy into to that. Maybe that'll be for for another conversation. But, you know, uh, got in trouble with the law a little bit. Nothing crazy ever. Never been a prisoner or anything like that. But, you know, got my mom's house raided, you know, uh, uh, 
spent a little bit of time in jail and, um, you know, pr probation and, you know, all, all, you know, the ABCs of the neighborhood, you know, um, that was my experience. And it was something that was always like underlying all of that experience where it was like, like I, I work with a lot of people um, and oftentimes you'll see that sometimes it seems as if like there's no reference point. So people don't know any better. So I was like, shit, I'm just doing what, like, what we do, this is what we do. Like, I, like, did we, like, we go to jail. Like, you know, when I was in the county, like, I met this guy and he was in there with this trash bag. He put his clothes in there. He chopped the soap up and, like, he washed this. It's a washing machine. He, like, this is what we do. I'm jelling. Like, this ain't my first time. This ain't gonna be my last time. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. You know, for me, like, I always kind of had that in here. Like, this ain't, this ain't who I, who I really am. I, I feel like I'm pretending so I can fit in, but underneath is like something softer, something sensitive, something, like raw, I'm not, I'm scared as fuck to embrace it, but like, I know, like, I'm not, I'm not, like, I, I know there's something more. So, um, got deep into, you know, uh, prescription drugs, uh, specifically Xanax, like, you know, that's where it really started taking off, like Xanax, Vicodins, I don't even know if they make Vicodins, my mom, everybody talk about Percocet, it's all the same shit for real, though. Um, and... Uh, it, it got to a point to where, like, you know, I, I was doctor shopping, uh, busting scripts, and then, you know, a week after I get the script, I done ate everything, you know? So now I'm on the street, like, trying to buy, you know, pills for three fifty five dollars $5 a piece. You know, I'm getting them, you know, 120 for $5 because I got insurance. And, you know, then, you know, you run out, now it's like $5 a pill, and it's like I need 30 pills this week just to even survive, and you know, so it just became this thing where it was like unsustainable. I didn't have no reference point for like recovery or anything like that. I didn't know what that was, but it just like, this ain't it. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what is it, but this ain't it. What's crazy is like now, you know, so we met uh, through the Phoenix and, you know, Phoenix is uh, a, a resource for, for people who are sober curious in sobriety and recovery or the only requirement for any other programming is just 48 hours of sobriety. And um, here's an app that you could download. So you, and within five minutes, you could be on a Zoom call, you know, doing yoga or on a Zoom call playing board games or in person, um, you know, at a CrossFit or a kayaking or biking or rocking, rock climbing and stuff like that. And like, I didn't know where that was. That didn't, you know, 10 years ago was a whole different landscape. And so like, I was like trying to like hint to people like, yo, I don't know what's going on, but like, I'm not, like, I remember telling my mom, like, I think I got a problem. Like, I don't know what it is, but I think, you know, and back then even prescription pills wasn't like in the neighborhood, like nowadays, like future came out. So hip hop is a big driver of the culture. Future came out, Molly Percocet, Percocet, like, like, like not everybody popping pills. But back then the stigma in the black community is if you're doing anything but smoking weed and drinking alcohol, you a crackhead. Like that's the word for it. You know, everybody got a crackhead, Uncle Joe, crackhead, this crackhead, that. And it's like, I don't even want to tell people that I'm doing anything other than weed. Like, I'll tell you I smoke, I'll tell you I drink, but I'm not going to tell you I pop pills. Like, you know, then I'm going to be an outcast, you know? Um, so it got to a point, I'm telling people like, you know, I done been to the ER a couple of times having these like withdrawal. And I, later on in hindsight, I found that benzodiazepine, which is what, uh, you know, Xanax is like benzos and alcohol are the two drugs that in withdrawal, like you can die from, like you can have more seizures and, like seize out and like I was doing like two or three days of like after popping so many like and then running out like I literally like was forced to, to detox and like I had a few of those where I wake up and I feel weird like 
I see he's out last night. You know, I've been to the ER, go to the ER. They give me like a, a van or like a little Benzo and then send me on my way. Like, you know, like now, you know, they got things where coaches will touch base with you at the ER. If you're in the ER with substance use disorder related symptoms, like they'll have coaches at the, at the ER that will send you back into the world with like some resources. But back then, it just wasn't an experience for me. So right now, being able to contribute to those resources, being available, it's a, that's a big thing that's near and dear to my heart because I knew like how much I was seeking and it, how, I knew how long it took me to find it. And I also have been aware of like with working with people, like how you got to strike while the iron is hot because, you know, I have that little moment of desperation. Like, look, I don't know what I need, but I need some help me out. And then if if you miss that window, I'll probably, I'll start to get me, get, getting it back. And it's like, ah, you know what? Maybe it ain't that bad, you know? And then, and then maybe the next time, you know, maybe I'll OD, you know, or, or whatever. So, um, but yeah, eventually it got to a point and I'm skipping a lot of things. <laughs> well, um, like I said, like when you ask this question, there's a lot to it, but it got to a point where, where it's like, uh, I, I had this breaking case of emergency, like pack, which is like, it was like one Xanax, it was one Viking and it was like a little shot of whatever it was, like whatever alcohol it was, probably absinthe, something crazy. And I'm like, um, you know, and I'm cold turkey withdrawn because like, I don't have any money. I've spent all my money in my bank account. My daughter is like maybe one and a half, two. And my son come in, he like eight or nine. And, you know, they're like, dad, like come, you know, and I can't even get out of bed. You know, I was jealous of the birds. I would hear the birds chirp in the morning. I'm like, damn, like y'all could just get up and fly. Like I need to get myself together. Like I felt like I was a shell of a man. You know, like I really would envision like myself being like inside of this pill, pill bottle. And until I cracked this pill bottle, I didn't even exist, you know? Um, and so I had this breaking case of emergency and I was seeing this therapist uh, through, uh, cause I was working for one of the big three, I'm in Detroit. So like, I, you know, I was working a factory job and uh, she, she, I've seen this therapist through unrelated things, but low key looking back, like underneath it, like I was really like searching for help, but didn't know how to ask for it. So I go in there like, oh, my girl getting on my nerves. Oh, my auntie died and I don't know how to deal with it. Oh, this and all that. But like really and truly it's like, I'm going through it and I don't know how to communicate to you that like, I think I have a substance use disorder, you, you know? Um, and so I had been seeing her. She was the only person I had built rapport with. And I'm like, if I take this thing, this is it. Like, there's no more money. Like, I'm negative money. Like, I can't get no more nothing. So I'm like, okay, cool. Set up an appointment with her, took that and went in. And even her, she was like, uh, you know, when she was asking me what was going on, I'm trying to describe to her what I'm going through. She's like, oh man, I wish, I wish I was a prescribing doctor. I'd be able to prescribe you what it is that you need. And I literally was like, no, I don't know what it is that I need, but it's not more of this. Like, I need something. You know, and she was like, she asked me, she said, you know, are you willing to go somewhere? I'm like, I don't care, like, whatever. I, you know, so she ended up calling this place and they had one bed left that day. And so um, I went, I went that day. I went that day, went to rehab that day, began a detox and um, thus started this life, you know? So that was, that was the beginning of my journey in recovery. Hey, uh, when it comes to like a lot of the stuff that I'm into now, or even how we met, I came home and, um, one, the employer I was working for, they had a, an employee assistance program. And that's what allowed for me to go to rehab and come home. And like, I could be there and not worry about like 
coming back and I don't have a job. Like they, they had it set up. It was built in to where it's like, okay, I can go get better. They'll take care of that. And then when I get back, I got a job. And so, you know, absolute, absolute honor, privilege. It was, uh, you know, to, to, to have that. And then I came back and then I finally, you know, went back to work. Um, after this time in rehab, I was thinking like a three, three week stint. Um, I come back. They gave me a week before I had to come back and I came back and then I went and now I'm in this plant that I've been working in maybe like five or six years prior to this time. And I'm like, what the fuck have I been doing with my life? Like this work is, is not for me. Like, you know, people well, in the assembly line, like, um, things gotta go, like things gotta move or else the cars don't get made. Right. So. I've seen people have heart attacks. They stop the line maybe for like five minutes and then get somebody else on the line. And then you hear that person that had a heart attack, like they died, you, you know? And it's like, oh, snap. So this is something to where like, if I died today, like I'm just, you just, I'm just a pair of hands. You're just going to put me back, put somebody back on the line. And it just didn't feel, it didn't, it didn't speak to what I knew that I was. Now that I'm not numbing up and all this sensitivity is coming up. Now there's these desires there's, th- there's this ambition. I don't know what to do with it. Like, uh, for me, it manifested in like anxiety and panic attacks. Um, because like there was this, uh, there was this dissonance between who it was that I saw myself as being and what it was that I was doing. And before I could just numb it up, like, fuck it. I'll just, you know, get high or, or drink or just get around other people that get high and drink and just give up their dreams and their goals. And like, they just let life happen. But now I, there's no more numbing up. I've chosen a life of like not numbing up. So now these things are coming and like, I got to do something about it. And, you know, it was uncomfortable to embrace. And, and I'm in this place where you go in and you're like, hey, you know, how, how's everybody doing? Good morning. You try to bring a new energy to this space. And they like, another day in paradise. And it's just like, oh, man, like this ain't even an environment for me. I did a lot of the trying to like bring a new energy to this environment to change the environment. And that was like one of my first yeah, uh, experiences in people, places and things being things that you can't control. And so uh, I started listening to podcasts. I started listening to audiobooks, and started getting introduced to like different concepts and different, you know, as well as like uh, when I got out of rehab, I, I went to a 12 step meeting the first night I got out. And so uh, I'm working the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and, um, you know, working with others and, 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 and doing like this deep spiritual work. And the, per- my first sponsor in Alcoholics Anonymous, he gave me, uh, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And he suggested, he didn't even give me the book. He suggested, I was like, and, and there's this other book that I, I've recommended to so many people and, Nobody has picked it up, but it's changed my life. And I took that as a challenge. And at that point in my life, I, my nose was wide open for whatever anybody had for me that they, that, that they thought could make my life better. That other book was Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. And so now I got a big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and I got Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. And I'm digging into both of them. And um, in my life now, you can kind of see those seeds and how they've come to fruition because Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich is like a chief definite aim, like desire, uh, intuition, ambition, like uh, staying on the course, like bringing stuff from the realm of thought into the realm of existence, you know, manifesting and uh, Alcoholics Anonymous is like spiritual, spiritual um, a- a- allowance and uh, cultivating a relationship with my higher power, you know, being honest, integrity, serving others. And so like the, those two things kind of mixing together 
is really like how you get Bryce the third for real. Um, I was working at the plant maybe for like a couple other months, and like maybe like three, four, five months after that. And uh, my, my girl at the time, my kid's mom, uh, she had told me, because I'm doing stuff, like I'm trying to supplement my income because I got to get out of here. So I'm like going to eBay. I'm like doing Amazon, fulfilled by Amazon. I'm I'm just doing stuff for the money. I'm miserable. I got my hands in a lot of pots and not a lot of momentum moving in any of them. And she was like, well, if you could do one thing that like could really like, like if you could focus on one thing and money wasn't an issue, what would it be? I'm like, of course, my music. I, I had always been a musician. I had always wrote. I had always rapped. And But before I entered into recovery, it was just one of those things where it's like, okay, um, yeah, I used to wear sunglasses on stage. Like I used to, you know, like it was almost like a different persona, it, you know, like I would do these shows, big, you know, back then, big T-shirts, big jeans, the Vizel jeans and, you know, just sunglasses and, you know, rapping the craziest stuff. So I was like, but I was like my music. Um, she was like, well, th this what you do. Give, give the music a go for a year. And if you don't, if don't nothing come of it, like at least you can say that you tried. You can't say that you didn't try. And so I'm like, okay, cool. So that's when I set out to really pursue my music professionally. And at that point, what it meant was just going to like open mics um, on the weekends or, you know, uh, throughout the weeknights and like pulling all nighters, going to open mics and staying uh, and hollering at the DJ and helping them pack up. And it was just being in the spaces where the energy that I desired to cultivate in my life was. And, you know, I mean, I could really, we could really end the podcast right here and I could say, long story short, here I am, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> that. What's the long version? <laughs> uh, but like that, like that decision right there, shifting from focusing on what can give me money because like I need to supplement my income to get out of here. Shifting that focus from that to what is it that I'm inherently interested in and like want to contribute to the culture of and how can I be an, a, a value add or an addition to those environments? Like that shift, like single handedly, like uh, helped me to cultivate the the inherent ability that I have now to be able to like create the life that I desire. Like I don't lead by what can I get? I lead by what can I give? Like how can I contribute? And that that beget, begets the conversation of mutual benefit, because not only is it about like what I'm interested in and what drives me, but it was also about where the environments that what I'm interested in and what I'm driven by are seen as a contribution to these environments, because that's like peanut butter and jelly. That's the match made in heaven. Okay. You all here, you need this and I need to give it. <laughs> so like learning to, to put those two things together has been what has changed my life. Uh, um, but yeah, so in the plan, still going to these open mics, um, read more and more uh, books uh, and, and paradigm is shifting. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm listening like to success magazine podcasts and Dan Miller's 48 days to the work you love. And like, I'm just like really soaking in like, Oh, people can use their minds and work. Like I had always done like, um, manual labor, like all my jobs consist of like picking up trash, picking up rose hauls, picking this up, putting this down, picking this up, putting this down. As, as a high school dropout, like I kind of accepted that that was my fate. Like that's what it's going to be, you know? Uh, but I knew I was bright. I knew I have these callings. I knew I have this ability to communicate that if I cultivate it, like it can get better. And, and, and for lack of, you know, better terminology and a terminology I like to use, like more dangerous, you know, um, like how can I get better at this and how can I get more pointed about how I deploy this and how can I help people and what does that look like? And 
Now, for the first time in my life, I'm sober and all these questions are popping up and these things that I used to run from, like I'm embracing, you know, and as, as scary as it was, as confusing as it is. And let me stop here because a lot of times we'll think that confusion is a bad thing because like that means I don't know. Um, and, you know, I hate to break it to you, but like I've been in some of the the most important rooms when it comes to American innovation and entrepreneurship. And the people that run the most the, the biggest, most impactful organizations don't know what the fuck they're doing. And they know they have an ability to to attach to people who are really, really experts in the subject matter of what it is, of, of what it is that they're curious about. And so their curiosity is their comparative advantage. And so I've learned to embrace like, oh, like the fact that I don't know and I have like this inherent curiosity to figure it out. And I have an ability to sit with confusion and allow for that natural process of wisdom cultivation. Like maybe I can allow myself to be confused. You know, when I was, you know, in active alcoholism or active addiction, there was this thing where it's like I had to have this mask. I will argue you down about some shit like, no, this is this. And I will Google it and I will study it and I will, you know, I will do everything but actually cultivate wisdom around it. But I'll do everything in my power to sound like I know. (laughs) You know, to look smart, to be perceived as smart was the priority to me. You have to know that I'm smart. You have to know that I'm smarter than you. And you have to acknowledge that because otherwise that's disrespectful to me. And I think, you know, the more I've learned to like cultivate wisdom and the more I've learned what wisdom is, it's like, oh, please, I will, I will tell you real quick. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Because the quicker I admit I don't know, the quicker I can find out for real, for real, and actually obtain what it is that I'm looking to learn. Because somebody who has that ability to share what it is that I don't know will take that opportunity to share with me. And now I become the person who does know. But you can't know if you don't know. So if I'm pretending to know, like I'm really preventing myself from soaking in knowledge and actually becoming wise and actually becoming effective and impactful. And so, um, I just started saying, I don't know. <laughs> I just started saying, I don't know. In a lot of rooms that people uh, were in that that aligned with what it is that I desire for my life to look like and people that did know, like, would show me. And I would take that and apply it to, you know, my plan. And it would just became this feedback thing where it's like, okay, this thing that I used to be scared of, this thing that I used to run from called life, this thing that I, I would, you know, I would be so anxious around what was around the next corner. Now it becomes something that the more I live, like the more it serves me, you know, everything from from life and birth and excitement and wins to, you know, death and grief and uh, depression and losses. Like everything serves me and, and, and plants seeds in me that prepare me for the next day because now I become the person who's had that experience. And now because I've had that experience, I can learn the lessons that take me and prepare me for what's coming next. And it's like, um, you know, I jumped into life. One of the things in 12-step programming that they really, uh, one of the promises is like being able to handle life on life's turn. And life ain't always pretty. The sun ain't always out. Sometimes it rains, you know. Um, but recovery has allowed for me to take whether it's rainy or sunny or it's overcast or it's too hot or it's too cold. Like there's something here for me. And I can show up and be a contribution in whatever it is that life presents me. And so, uh, uh, long story short, with with the plant, um, 
eventually, uh, you know, uh, the universe did what it does. And I was set up in, in such a way that uh, I, I had like a, I raised my hand for like a, a temporary layoff. And uh, I had about a year to like, um, like be on supplemented income because you get like sub pay, which is like you don't get your whole check, but you get a little bit. And, you know, I was in a house with two incomes. So like I was really able to like go out and volunteer and go into these different spaces and just be places that align more with who it was that I was becoming versus who it was that I had been, you know. Uh, that's a, another thing to say about like friends and relationships. A lot of times where we enter in recovery, we'll think that, oh, like I'm gonna have to pick up this phone and I'm gonna have to call what's the name of them and tell them, oh, we can't kick it no more. And crazy enough, like I ain't never had to pick up the phone. Like what ended up happening was the the new energy ended up fighting this way to me and the old energy ended up falling off because, you know, you're gonna be able to have less conversations with the people who come from where you come from. And what, what inherently ends up happening is we end up kicking it with people who represent our future versus people who represent our past. And so, yeah, just uh, showed up to these spaces that were in alignment with where it was that I was going. And, you know, um, a lot of different people showed up in my life to contribute. A lot of different people, um, you know, uh, raised me up and allowed me to borrow and leverage their platform. And, you know, the music started taking off. I started, you know, getting bookings. And so now I'm not paying $5 to go in and help the DJ pack anymore. You know, I'm getting paid $200, $300, which for me then, like, that's, you know, that's crazy. I'm getting paid $300. $400 to do something that I love? What? You know? Um, so, you know, that platform started taking off. Um, I eventually ended up landing a gig uh, with a local recovery community organization and uh, uh, went and got certified, became a certified peer recovery mentor, um, started doing recovery coaching. So now, like, um, everything that I'm doing, whether it be the music, um, uh, or, or be like what I'm doing, like for an actual paycheck, like W, uh, W2, like paycheck, like it's, it's in alignment with who it is that I see myself as being. Um, and, uh, the, you know, shortly after that, the, the, the Phoenix found me, this is the super condensed version. I mean, there's a lot of things that played a role in like me coming across the Phoenix, which was, I was doing these guided meditations. Meditation played a big role in my recovery. Um, and so I started sharing my practice. And uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So like with meditation, man, like uh, recovery uh, uh, allows for me to have this thing that I didn't have, um, which I, you know, I've labeled the stop and pause moment, where things happen. There's stimulus, and then like I can have a stop and pause moment, and then I can move in that what it is that I intend. And this is coming from somebody who's been tasered by the police before. Um, and, you know, usually you know, I'm a black man. I'm from the neighborhood. And so, like, the police uh, have been jackasses in my life. And it's not a blanket statement. It's like I've just had some jackass encounters with the police. Like, I've had my shit flipped inside out. Um, I was living in Inkster, Michigan. I got uh, the police pulled me over in my own driveway. This is I'm in sobriety at this point. Pulled me over in my own driveway, put a gun to the back of my head in my own driveway. My, my daughter and my kid's mom were asleep inside. Um, two o'clock in the morning, I was coming back from hooping. And, um, you know, it just was not a good look um, for police. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm not a blanket statement dude. Uh, there, there's a whole bunch of individualized context. And in the context where I got tasered, that was completely my fucking fault. And those policemen were like, 
they were they they asked me a couple of times like bro just do you want to go to your crib like you want to go home and i was you know i was high i was i was tweaking and i was purely driven from emotion remember i told you i'm emotional and so now you add dr- drugs to it and it's like you you done put the fire like oh what's my man name from hercules hades i think his name was like he uh like anytime you get mad, the blue flame, like sure, that that was me, you know, especially off of drugs. Like I didn't have that stop and pause. And so like in recovery, like now, yes, I still feel the same feelings that I felt when I got tasered that day. And I can take a stop and pause that allows me to assess the circumstance and then calculate with all of the wisdom that I've cultivated up until this point, what would be the best way to proceed given my intentions in life, you know, and meditation played a big, huge role in me being able to like cultivate that, that strength. Um, meditation allowed me to, allowed for me to look at my thoughts and my emotions, look at them and observe them. And, you know, it, it helped me to understand it shifted my paradigm, continues to shift my paradigm in a way where it's like, oh, like I'm not my thoughts. Cause I think a lot, <laughs> but it's like, oh, I'm, I'm not my thoughts. You know, I'm, I'm not even my feelings. And if, you know, if this was a crazy spiritual podcast, we, we could talk about like, what am I? Like, I still don't know what the fuck I am. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I think that this is the beautiful, this is the essence of everyone to get above, right? And I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, it really, it really, uh, meditation really continues to contribute to me showing up how it is that I intend, but also like my well-being. And the reason I started teaching is because although like I, I like I was able to, um, you know, learn from different teachers, uh, whether it be people that like the Thai, For- what is it, Thai Forest uh, monk tradition or like the, um, or like even like Pima Chodron or like uh, um, Jay Krishnamurti or like, you know, all these spiritual teachers. Um, I needed a Bryce the third to like bust it down in a way where it's like, oh, oh, that's what you mean. You know what I'm saying? Cause like, I ain't see nobody came from where I came from. I ain't see too many people like black people, like tattoos come from the neighborhood. Like, um, and so it could kind of feel like this is not for me. And, but I, I got this tact or this skill for like, I don't like, I'm not even a person like, a. I'm not a, I'm not big on a messenger because messengers are humans, you know? So like, I'm not going to subscribe to like a, a teacher or a messenger. But I will tap into a teaching that that resonates as truth to me, you know. Um, and so if you deliver the teaching, I'll take the teaching. And if you fuck up, like m- my wisdom is not tied to who you are as a person. It's just tied to like the truth that I've been able to like siphon from what it is that you taught. And so uh, but I also understand like now as I you know work to put myself in position to uh, be be an authority in, 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 in the space of mental wellness as, as well as artistry. Uh, like, I understand how important the messenger is, because sometimes, you know, if you look like this or if you don't look like me or if you don't talk my language, like that can be just that extra added bit of um, uh, resistance for me being able to receive the teaching. So it was just one of those things where it's like it's a double headed, a double headed dragon where it's like, OK, one, um, I need to teach these things for me to be able to continue to retain them as well as like learn and have new understandings. The more I teach, the more it is that I understand. Um, but also like, am, am I, 
feel a bit obligated to share this because nobody looks like me. So l- let me give it. And then hopefully somebody that looks like me, will be able to get it. And they can shortcut the process of like having to go and, and hear it from, you know, this 60 year old white dude over here or whatever. Right. And, and another thing too, when it came to meditation, like, uh, I, we can tend to like think that, oh, I got to be like out on a mountain and I got to have like, you know, traditional ascetic girl on and I need to stop eating meat and I need to like the eightfold path of Buddhism and all type of shit like that. And like, but I've learned it's like, I, you know, meditation doesn't even have to be sitting. I got to be standing at the line at the grocery store and taking a breath or paying attention to that breath. And that's an act of meditation. And that builds my capacity to have compassion for others, my capacity to have um, understanding for others, my capacity to be present in the moment and being present in the moment is huge for me who comes from a culture where you sit around and like, yeah, remember back in, you know, back in the day where we did this and we did that. And that ended up being what life is like every moment is back in the day. Like right now is the most important moment in our lives right now. So like, if we stop, matter of fact, let's stop. Let's take a breath. Like when we stop right now and we soak that in, like this moment is one of the most important moments is the most important moment because we're here. And when we can come here, the more we can be here, the more we can have this experience, the more we can enjoy this experience and be active participants in this experience. And so this with meditation, that became the thing that I just wanted to, you know, once again, just leaving a breadcrumb trail behind me for the things that have helped me. How can I, I put them on the floor to help other people? Um, yeah. And so, uh, not a pretty bow to wrap it up with, but like how, how we met was you met me through, uh, co-hosting the Rise Recovery Live podcast with the Phoenix on the Phoenix brought me on board. Uh, I'm now the, uh, the, the digital content strategist for the entire organization and I'm helping them to tell their story as an org, as well as I'm continuing to build on my own personal platform. I wrote a book. The year before last, called the Handbook, um, which was my first foray into authorship. I'm I'm getting gigs for uh, speaking now, as well as uh, uh, my music. And a lot of times, my music sets will have like you know uh, little touch bases for community in between songs, and it's fun and it's fulfilling. I think one of the biggest things when it came to music, I would go to these spaces, and you know I'm in Detroit, so like there's a lot of like we we can be hard here. We could be hard here. So it's like, ah, I'll shoot you out, take your, and it's like, I would leave and I would literally feel like a manifestation in my physical body. Like my, my, my neck would be hunched over and I'd be feeling pain. I was like, ah, you know, as an artist, what I'm going to do is when I go into these spaces, if somebody comes to see me live, I'm going to make sure that they feel the opposite of this. Like their head is hung a little higher. Um, they, you know, they, if they're going through something and they felt like they had, they was going to give up, they can at least go for another week. You know, like I wanted to feed into people and feed into people's uh, energy in these spaces. And so um, the opportunity to be able to do so has continued to scale. Uh, and man, I live a life now where like I'm, I'm so I'm super grateful for, you know, all of the opportunities, all the people that took the opportunity to pour into me, all of the platforms that I've been able to leverage to get to, you know, the next level of um uh, authority in a space or, you know, to be able to be platformed so I can share this good energy so that more people can access it and apply it to their lives. Um, and that's kind of where Bryce the Third is now. I love all of this, all of this, all of this. I want to ask you, 
because there's so much to you. Like there's so you're like, uh, what is it? You're everything. <laughs> you're the Renaissance man. I guess is what <laughs> would put it into context. Yeah, before you before. So you have the perfect way to like give people names. I, I want to let you know, me and Liz have been the Yin Yang twins since <laughs> since our episode. So now I've got the Renaissance man. Oh my God, Viv, you are you you have a tact for giving those nicknames. But because I think you're you're so you know you're you're so artistic, you're so articulate, you are everyone and you are just you if that makes sense your shirts of everything it's like looking at through a kaleidoscope it's how i feel that when i when i see all of the multifacets and this is what's so empowering about your message is this is you are what sobriety is hope Mm. that is a beautiful place so i want to if you'll allow me i want to you to break down the piece because it's really important. How did you come up or how did it happen about being the author? How does that, like a musician, this, nominal author, like take us through that. I'm interested. I feel like, all right. I feel like underlying the experience that I've had thus far, like it's just it's self-expression. Um, that sensitivity that I detailed in the beginning of our conversation, like, uh, the way that I I used to express it and the way that it would manifest would be to numb it. <laughs> or it might be to like, you know, push it on somebody in an unhealthy way or codependency or, you know, not necessarily channeling it. Like um, I heard that today at the meeting, I heard, you know, the we're not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. And if that's the case, then you know, this, this body like is a vessel um, and, and a vessel is a, a, a form is a channel for output. And so like, how can I put out? So, you know, it started with the music. Cause that's like where I was, I was born in music. Like my mom just had this household where we could be listening to Stevie Wonder, Luther Vandross, Aretha Franklin, Minnie Ripperton. We could be the OJs, uh, it could be Heat Wave, but it also could be like Carlos Santana staying the police. It could also be, you know, uh, uh, um, old blue eyes. Uh, it could be, or it could be um, Tupac, it could be Biggie, it could be Big L, it could be, you know, Dr. Dre, the chronic, you know what I'm saying? So like I was brought up with everything except for country, but like I've tried to dig in myself. So if anybody has any good country songs, feel free to hit me up at Price the Third on Instagram and let me know what good country songs you have because I'm always open. Um, But I just like, like music was one of those forms that like I was given, like, and it's like, oh, I really resonate here. People like, like sports. I don't talk to me about who playing for what. Like, I'm not no sports guy, even though I've done sports partnerships. Like, I don't even know who on a team. I'm just kind of trying to create a sober space, space for people on this team. When it kind of music, I could tell you who was from where, like what county they from, what region they from. Like, like that's just always been my shit. So like one of the first times I knew the power of like, this vessel and expression was like when I wrote a song that made my mom cry. I was like, oh, that's my baby. It's like, it was like a cry. Like I said some things and it like really touched her heart. And like, these were tears of like appreciation and gratitude. 
was like, oh shit, this is important and I need to be careful with this. You know, so when I stepped out into the world and I started like really taking like music professionally, and I had the experience of like walking out and like being punched over and physically feeling like, oh, I was like, I was taken away from any spaces and I decided to go into these spaces and contribute. Um, you know, I would go in and I would perform my music, but then in the middle of the music, like, you know, we would just take time to like connect, you know, and in that, I, I really learned my love for communication. And it's like, oh, like, and not communication. It's like, oh, I want to be able to talk to you real good. I mean, communication, like in a way where it's like, oh, you got people in, in this room raising their hand to share their experience of their PTSD. You know, you got people in this room raising their hand to talk about what it was like to lose a loved one and, and sharing and, and creating community in this space. And so we are having this experience in this room that, is only right now and can't be duplicated and can only happen if it's a safe space to be able to express in this way. And we will grow from this. And it's like, okay, that's what communication is. And so um, I just learned the different, the different ways to do it. And uh, as a, as a person who digs into self-expression, like my home will always be hip hop. My home will always be music. And, and, but then I, I thought back to like Napoleon Hill's Thinking Grow Rich and this person who gave me a book or, or well, didn't give me the book. <laughs> he made me get the book, but I got the book and the book was written by somebody who had lived and died before, you know, I was thought of and I, it changed my life. And it's like, oh, like this is a medium that uh, I want to contribute to. And so that's what kind of led to writing the handbook, which is up there on the wall if you're watching this on YouTube or, or whatever. And you know, I wrote a book. It's a book. It's my first book. And it's also a workbook. So like after every chapter, there's a place that you could touch base with yourself around like the things that were taught in a book and like, you know, detail what you're thinking and it becomes your book. So it's our collaborative. So it, it, it was another opportunity for um, expression, but expression with the intention of creating community so that we can shortcut the process of wisdom cultivation, like we're in this thing together. So how can we grow together? How can we develop together? How can we evolve together? And so that's what led to the authorship. And I, I have it in my head what the next book is right now, too. And I just want to continue to contribute to the world. This is what I do. I mean, let me take a second. So this is what I do. 80-year-old me, he's on his deathbed right now. Like if we're talking about like nonlinear time, like now we're getting geeky, right? Like everything is happening at once at the same time. Like um, that some people believe that, right? Uh, I don't know what the fuck to believe sometimes, but like, let's say everything is happening at once. So right now, as we're speaking, there's a, there's a Bryce the third that's on his deathbed. It's, he's like 89, 90, you know, he's dying from natural causes. I mean, he, he lived a great life, right? I go talk to him a lot. I go holler at him a lot. Like, listen, OG, like, you know, I'm faced with this uh, decision or I'm faced with, you know, a limited amount of time, obviously, because like you're on your way out and I'm you. So like, how can I best use this time? Like, or how, what is the best decision to make in the circumstance of A, B, and C? And he'll often tell me, like, bro, like, do that, you know? And oftentimes his answers are, are based in the foundation of exhaust. Like, we think about being exhausted, right? When I used to work at that plant that I told you about, like, I get off of work, it was 10-hour days, sometimes 10 and a half-hour days, sometimes six days a week. I get off exhausted. I worked a midnight shift, so it was like 6 p.m. to 4 a.m. I get off. Um, I'm sleeping half of the day. I wake up. I'm, I'm awake for maybe two hours of the day before I go back in, not kicking it with my kids. My back hurt. I'm just like exhausted. Um, that's one exhaustion. And there's the second exhaustion. And you're still taking the pills. 
Well, 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 yeah, but even beyond that, like this is in recovery. Like even beyond that, like I'm not taking the pills no more. Now I'm in sobriety and I'm like, I'm just literally physically exhausted, <laughs> you know? Um, and so like now there's the second type of exhaustion where it's like, and I've talked to, you know, uh, uh, a deathbed Bryce III, and he's telling me like, yeah, you know, there's an opportunity for me to be surrounded by the ghosts of the things that I didn't do. And I would go, I would leave this earth without getting everything out of me and without exhausting all of my resources and without helping everybody that I possibly could because I was trying to hold on to something. But I'm on my deathbed, young, young blood. And like, there's nothing, there's no reason to hold on to anything. I'm out of here, you know? So he tells me, exhaust yourself, exhaust your resources, put them on the floor. Like if you can do something, if you could utilize your resources to help somebody out, do it. Get rid of it. There's nothing to take with you. You can't take it when you're gone. And so, you know, that's, that's, uh, those conversations aid me in like, okay, well, hell yeah, I'm gonna write a book. I always said I'd do it, but I'm sitting here waiting on tomorrow. But so many tomorrow, bro, and I'm gonna be you on this deathbed. So let me just go ahead and do it today. And, you know, then the people come into my life that, uh, because like a track like, and usually when I ask the universe for whatever, like the universe delivers it. So the people come into my life that help me to do the thing. Then I become the person who does the thing. So now I'm the person you can go on Amazon and get my book. It's rated five stars. Uh, it's, it's helped a lot of people out. And people see that and I can get in the book. I just did a, uh, a talk at the Eastside Community Center. Um, they brought me in to talk to the kids. And this, this young woman, she wanted, she, she wanted to know like how to write a book. Like I want to go through this process and I want to make this thing happen for me. I'm like, first of all, you are fucking amazing because you are like 17 and you want to offer your own book and you want to tell your story. So let me tell you this right now. The fact that you have that inclination makes you a superstar. Secondly, here, I want to give you a copy of my book and I want you to read this book. As you read this book, I want you to keep in mind that the person who wrote this book didn't know what the fuck he was doing the whole time, <laughs> but he got it done. And the people showed up to help him along the way. Here goes my number. Let me be that person who helps you along the way. Read the book. Let me know what you need. I got you. You know, and that's how we keep the energy going. You know, so when, you, when you're talking about how did the book come to be, it's just a form of self-expression. It's just a form of exhaustion, getting it out and leaving it here on earth so I don't take it with me. I love the process. I just, I love that. I mean, it totally blows my mind of that thought of going forward and looking at that shard of being on the deathbed and what, and asking yourself that question. Mm-hmm. That's what those answers are. And and I think that because, I mean, um, there was something that I read that it, it, that it has on the side of the book. And it says, in reality, other people liking you is a bonus. You liking yourself is the real price. Mm. Who wrote that? Someone that says he doesn't know what he was writing. Jeez. I just, I think that these are things that contribute to the collective, you know? Mm. Now I'm going to get geek out a little bit. Come on. Come on. And I think that that is what we need. We need that enlightenment. We need that collective to actually hear these voices and say, don't be scared. Move forward. There's energy and we're going to use it. And we're going to use it for good. Because that's the power that you're, you're harnessing and that you're talking about is that, that, that that one with source or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. you're like you know you got you got it and you're harnessing it and you're like all right where are we going what are we doing with it and i can just mm-hmm. hear it in your energy and in your your chi your your your, your 
that's old, you know? And I think that that's when I get so excited about having guests like you that just are multifaceted. Not that every guest isn't exciting. <laughs> it's multifaceted and it's inspiring. That's mm. very inspiring. How did you get into podcasts? What happened? Oh, man. Uh, so now I think the answers are going to be a little bit easier just because it's like, you know, feeding off of the back of everything else that I share, just a form of, of expression. Um, back in, you know, 2015, when I first started making those content pieces and, uh, you know, was making those 10-minute videos to say something I could tell you in 20 seconds now, uh, uh, I set out to use uh, Instagram as a medium, you know? So I started popping on Instagram. I used to do these things called 60-second charges where it was like, you know, uh, the way Instagram was back then wasn't any real. Um, and, you know, I would just make these 60-second videos just sharing, you know, some of the wisdom that I was cultivating along the way. And uh, due to that, uh, you know, I built like a, I want to say a fan base, but just like, you know, people who are really engaged with the content and they will always ask me like, why don't you do a podcast? Like, you know, longer form content, you know, where, where that's at, you know? So I thought of my first podcast, it was, it was, it was aptly titled, I don't know shit with Bryce the third. And, um, I think we ran for like 10, 12 episodes and, and then, um, ended up putting that down. And then uh, uh, later on, I started another podcast called You Feel That with Bryce the Third. Um, and that ran for about a year. And it really gave me insight on to what it is to produce a show, um, how it is to like set up programming. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it when it comes to like being a one man show, um, be it editing, be it the titles, be it uploading to YouTube. You know, I mean, you know, all the stuff that's required to make this thing work and be fluid. Uh, uh, and, uh, eventually I ended up putting that one down just because I didn't have the capacity as things were starting to pick up. I'm getting booked a little bit more. I'm giving some of my, some, a little bit more of my energy to the Phoenix. Um, and I just wanted to focus on like other things. And so, uh, but that, that made me the person with the comparative advantage within the organization of the Phoenix to start up that podcast. So, you know, I know the platforms to go to, I know, you know, the process of getting it published and getting it done. And with the Phoenix podcast, like, I don't have to do it all. You know, we got people to edit. We got people to do this. We got people to do that. So I'm actually right now in the in the space of ideating what my next show is going to be. Um, I have the title for it. Um, I have the nature of how I want to show up. I just want to make sure that I have the um, the container to be able to show up to do it and the, the support when I show up to do it. But, uh, yeah, podcasting is cool, man. It's like... What, as y'all know, I don't know what the timestamp is, but Bryce can talk. <laughs> so podcasting is a, is a talking medium. But once again, if we go back to like when I was in a plant trying to get up out of there, like it was podcasts, like Success Magazine podcasts or, you know, Dan Miller's 48 Days to the Work You Love or even like narrative driven podcasts like This American Life or like Sarah Koenig and um, Serial. Like it was it was uh, a, a art form that allowed for me on these 10 hour days to really like going into other people's worlds. And what we found with the Rise Recover Live podcast is just like, maybe you don't have the um, the confidence to come out to Crib and go to like an in-person program. Or, you know, maybe, you know, you just want to kind of like get your feet wet. And you, the podcast could be like that first touch base 
and then we become friends. You know, you see a lot of people listen to the podcast and then you meet them in person and they're quoting these things that you've shared. And it's like, oh, uh, you know, you, you think we're friends. And it's like, oh, we are. You know, we, we you know, we, we've been kicking it in your ear, you know, for the past year and a half, you know? So as that platform continues to take off, I'm excited to see where that goes. And I think podcasting in general, they just added the podcast half to YouTube. And it's a lot of ways that like podcasting is getting like, um, implemented into like the culture. And so, uh, yeah, it gives, this is a thing too. Uh, and I'll say this uh, and then I'll be done, done with it is, uh, the internet is a great equalizer as a black man. Um, there was a time where like, if you didn't look away, if you didn't sound away, if you didn't come from a certain place, like you wasn't on, you wasn't getting on, you wasn't learning nothing, nothing. You're right. With the internet being a great equalizer, I can make a six figure salary. I can make, you know, the, the sky's the limit because I have these tools that it don't matter if I'm black, blue, green, or, or yellow, I can start a business without my face on it and it could be successful. And so not only is the internet the great equalizer, but all information is accessible to me at once. So it allows for me to not only soak in how to use, you know, my audio interfaces and how to use my mirrorless camera to, to produce a show and how to shoot myself in an artful way and, and, you know, how, like how to write a book and how to use Kindle Direct, Kindle Direct to self-publish my book and like all these things, how to do, this is my merch that I got on right here. So how do you get this made up to where somebody can use it, you know, um, uh, and, and, and buy it from you on your website? How do you use Squarespace and all these things that equip me to like activate in, in an impactful and empowering way? But it also allows for me to take what I'm learning and put it back out there and keep that energy going, you know, and, and to those listening, the the caveat is there's so much fucking information that if you are not intentional about what it is that you want to learn and what it is that you want your life to look like, there's somebody out there with a strong voice that will will pour into you and, and direct your life for you. So right now is the best time in the world to get intentional about what it is that we want in our lives because it's out there. It's, it's a lot of information out there, but what you need to know specifically is out there. And also people might need to hear your voice and need to hear it coming from you. And so with these things like, you know, Zoom or Buzzsprout or whatever it is, cost ten, twelve dollars a month to be able to platform like we the new CN CNNs, we the new NBCs, we the new, you know, like we the new networks, you know. So uh yeah, yeah. This is just beautiful. It's in in the way that it it never what I see. And I wish the listeners could see because we had to do this voice, but in the eyes, in the eyes, there's a sparkle, the, the glow, the, the effervescence. And they say that the eyes are the windows to the soul. It's yes. that, you know, I see that, that it, there's no ceiling. There's no, it's okay. like, what's next? And I love that. Do you ever get scared with that? Hell yeah. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't. So reframing, right? The same thing that happens in our body when we're anxious uh, is the same thing that happens in our body when we're excited. And so what I've learned to do is take uh, what once would have been considered anxiety and reframe it into, oh, I'm excited, you know? And with excitement comes a little bit of fear because it's like, oh, like, I don't know what's around the corner. Like, I have no idea, but it's just reframing that experience. I used to live a life where, like, I was scared about what's around the corner. And now I live a life where, like, shit, I haven't even met everybody who's going to love me yet. So, you know, I, I could be in this corner and meet my new best friend for the next seven years, you know? Um, and and, and uh, one of, if not the most, uh, and powerful thing or powerful things in the world is belief. 
belief, 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 belief. What do I believe? You know, because what I believe plays a role into my paradigm. What I believe is the, the, the glasses that I have on my eyes as I look through everything in life. So if I believe like I can't, I can't win for losing, or I believe everybody's out to get me, or I believe nobody is out to, to share with me, or I believe everybody, there's gatekeepers to everything. I believe you got to take money to make money. I believe that nobody going to love me for me. Like, I'm just going to continue to see confirmation bias. I'm going to continue to see things that reflect those beliefs, right? But if I believe that like, oh, the next person that's going to help me start my business is around the corner. I just got to get out here and activate. You know, I believe in my music. My music is going to go exactly where it's supposed to go. It's going to help people. I believe that I can show up and be equipped for anything that life brings me. As a matter of fact, I'm in collaboration with life and in, in, in the universe. You know, I believe people are going to show up and help to platform me and put me in spaces that empower me. Like in speaking those beliefs and saying those beliefs and in and, and having that paradigm and having that lens, like I've, you know, we could say I created it or we could say it already exists. I, I just look at it and focus at it now. Oof. You're just catching up to where you wanted to be. (laughs) Love that. It really excites me. It excites me. I think that it's a blessing. It's a blessing to have you on this earth. Ditto. 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 Where can we find you? What can, I mean, there are so many mediums. This man is all over the place. We're going to share all your links, Bryce, every single link that you send us because you continue to inspire and you've inspired me from the moment that I met you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, a lot, Viv. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I, I love for you all to tap in. Um, on Instagram, I'm at Bryce the Third. On Facebook, same thing. Everywhere, just Bryce the Third. If you Google Bryce the Third, like I'm going to pop up and you could pick your chosen medium to follow me on, except for Twitter. I don't really rock with Twitter like that. Um, you can go to BriceTheThird.com. I don't, you said they can't see it, but I got this pretty cool merch on that I'm about to be releasing here soon. So like the merch will be on the website as well as like up-to-date ways that you can see me, how I would prefer you to see me in public. Like come see me. I might be in your state. I might be in your city. And so the more that we activate, the more information will be out there to where you can come and like meet me in person. But um, yeah, Facebook and Instagram, LinkedIn, Bryce the Third, B-R-Y-C-E-T-H-E-T-H-I-R-D. And if you like to hear my voice uh, and you want to hear it in a musical fashion, feel free to hit up Spotify, Apple Music, and search Bryce the Third. You can find some of my newest music dropping a couple of projects this year. So I'm excited to release that. Um, uh, and if you want to hear my voice in more of this fashion, I do co-host the Rise Recover Live podcast with the Phoenix. You can find that everywhere podcasts are. Me and my wonderful co-host Liz McKean show up every week to platform stories of people in recovery. And it's just a wonderful space. A contribution to this universe. And then if you, you know, if you would like to buy the book, I'm sure Viv, you'll put like the book in the, in the uh, link below or whatever. So people can go. It's on Amazon rated five stars. Everybody who told me they read the book said it's impacted them. And they've had like pieces, nuggets that they've been able to pull out and, and apply to their lives. And ultimately we just want to make sure that people have the ability to plant seeds in their own life for their own growth uh, and evolution. So yeah, yeah, grab that if you're interested in reading, if reading's your format. I often say like, people like, read, you gotta read. Uh, especially like in my coach, like old heads would be like, if you're not reading, blah, 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 blah. And I mean, you know, you can get the same shit from a book that you can on a YouTube video. The reason I like book as a format is just because like, there's a lot of stuff in books 
that they don't have on YouTube. And it's, it, you got me thinking, like, why? You know, why are these things not not super as accessible? Because there's less people that read books, you know. Um, and so I just like to go where, like, you know, where all of the information is, you know. Um, and, and not, like, information overload, but the information that aligns with what it is that uh, I want for my life. And so if you're looking to create your desired reality, if you're looking to get intentional about how you activate in your life, whether it be in parenthood, whether it be in um, personal relationship to self, whether it be in career, this is a good book to get you started out. And so, you know, I recommend you go grab your copy. Ooh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'm going to list all the links to everything, 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 because I think it's important to have, you know, like you said, share the information, share it, have it there, have the tools. And the more that we can just Spread the word, spread the seed. The more of us there will be out of the darkness and into the light. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thank you so much. It has been my pleasure and my honor. Listen to your journey. Ah, uh, no, thanks for, thanks for the space, for the container. I think, uh, you know, every time I do one of these where I share like my personal story, uh, it's never the same. And I think I learned a little bit from sharing it about myself. So, you know, thanks for allowing me the space to kind of have some of this um, uh, self-growth uh, energy in my life today on this beautiful Sunday. Yeah, thank you. All right. So I'm going to be uh, listing all his uh, content, everything where we can find him. And you heard it from the man. He's got this powerful book of empowerment and all of these mediums. So if you're a music lover, if you're a reader, if you're a podcaster, he does it all. He's the finest man. If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, tell a friend or someone you know, pass this podcast on. And my information is Viv, founder of SoberIThrive.org. I'm an internationally certified in addiction recovery other known as a sober coach and a life coach too. My certifications encompass the neuroscience of joyful recovery, roots of addictions, alcohol and its effects, dynamics of professional recovery coaching, motivation to change, right thinking in recovery, family issues in recovery, codependent behaviors in addiction, and ethical and legal issues in professional recovery coaching. Go to my website, SoberIThrive.org and book your free confidential 30-minute call. We can help create the sober warrior within you.